Welcome to Rolling with Role Models. In this episode, we will be talking with Austin Kerbler. Austin is a fourth year veterinary student at The Ohio State University. Austin has spent most of his lifetime in the beautiful city of Columbus, Ohio. Austin completed a bachelor's in animal sciences and was also involved in biological scholars program. He graduated in 2018 and started vet school right after. Austin, thank you for coming in and talking to us. The reason why I decided to invite Austin was for two reasons. One, every time I see this guy, I, it makes me smile and it makes me feel good. I have told him several times during clinics as well, walking by, um, he just makes me have a better day. Two, um, I know Austin since we started vet school and he has always been friendly. He has always been active in the community of the of veterinary school. And I just think that he is a really good role model for other people. And just recently, we had a rotation together on large animals. And we started talking about uh, different things, including um, identity and how people perceive you. We're going to touch on those things uh, at certain point of this podcast. But in the meantime, I just want to welcome Austin and ask you how you're doing. I'm doing well, Jorge. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Austin, let me start really quick with a question already. Um, since the name of the podcast is Rolling with Role Models, I wanted to ask you, what are some role models that you had growing up? Yeah, my my biggest role model that I've always had in my life has been my mom. Um, I've always admired her drive and determination when it comes to both her personal and professional life. Um, in both of these instances, she's someone that you can rely on for anything. Um, and I've definitely used her as a resource for, you know, many things in my life. Um, she puts herself, um, others before herself, um, but she also understands work-life balance and not overexerting or overextending herself um, to the point where she doesn't have time for herself, which I've always admired. She also has a really good sense of self-reflection uh, and overall perspective on life. Um, those are just very admirable qualities to me. Um, and those are, try those are qualities that I try to instill in myself um, every day in both my personal and professional life as well. What are the reasons why you decided that your mom was your role model and what are the things that you admire about her? So I started uh, to really admire my mom, or at least understand my admirations for her as a role model um, when I started college, um, once I moved out um, and started my undergraduate degree. Um, I think that I can speak for other people who probably feel the same as far as understanding how much your parents do for you uh, before you leave for college and how much they've done for you to get to, to get to you where you are at that point in your life. Um, so just being able to support people, um, really have a positive energy um, at all times, especially when you know that others are, are in a negative place in their life um, and just kind of acting in a, in a professional way as often as you can are probably the, the qualities of my mom that I think that I've, I really tried to strive to continue uh, into veterinary school and hopefully we'll continue to, to keep those after I finish. I like that. Uh, to be honest, it took me many, many years. Even I think you are wiser than me, or at least at that point, you were wiser than me because whenever I finished high school, I think I hadn't really thought about what are the things that I admire of people. And it was while I was in college that I really started admiring 
or looking at, hey, I really think that this person is phenomenal. And these are the things that I really admire of this person. And sometimes you start mimicking those things that you like, right? Those qualities. Um, and I think that I had had this conversation in the past with other people and saying that sometimes your role model doesn't have to be perfect, but out of those things, can you take the things that are gonna make you better? Um, and I think at that point, um, that's whenever I started looking into, hey, this person has these great things and I should mimic that. And I think that's whenever I started looking into my parents, hey, I really like this about my parents. Um, I think that those are things that I should take into my own life. Um, so I think that was kind of cool. Um, since you brought up, brought up that high school and growing up um, and moving to college, let's go a little bit before high school. And when you were growing up, um, what were you thinking that you wanted to do? Uh, what were your aspirations in life? I would say for my overall aspirations for life when I was before I knew what I was going to do professionally, I just wanted to find some form of um, solidified path for myself, regardless of what that was, if that was in college or, or not, um, and then just be happy down that path. And I think that that was just kind of my overall goal for myself. Um, but once I actually decided what I wanted to do um, and go to college and get a degree, um, my aspirations were always to be in some form of professional medicine program. Um, I always credit my mom um, for that as well, um, just because she was she's a physical therapist and she instilled in both my brother and I um, how important medicine is both on a personal and professional level. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to do something in medicine um, and it kind of took me a little bit to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with, with a medicine degree, um, whether that be with humans or animals, but that was, that was my goal after I decided kind of that I wanted to, to go into some form of a career in medicine. Okay, I like to, or I like two things of what you said. One, or many things, but two things that I'm gonna highlight. One, happiness, and two, medical profession. Um, one, you pretty much set me up for the next question, but happiness. I just started thinking about, since we're starting to look at offers, interviewing in different clinics now. The more I think about money that, hey, Sharon is gonna have bring an income and I'm gonna bring a second income. And the more I think about it is, yes, that's important to pay for loans, for housing and for mortgage, for all these things. But at the end of the day, I wanna be happy. And I think that's one thing that I had never really focused on when I was since I have memory, um, but I have always tried to be happy in my life. And I, wherever I go, I try to be happy, but now I'm consciously thinking about it. I wanna go to a place that is gonna be, make me happy and that Sharon is gonna, my wife is gonna be happy. I don't know if you had those thoughts and you can tell me in a second. And two, um, you said that it took some time to figure out that you wanted to go into veterinary profession or maybe not took some time, but you said that you hadn't, acknowledge it at that point yet what made it seem clear for you and do you think that you were going to be happy in as a veterinarian yeah so the turning point for me I guess was just spending some time shadowing my local veterinarian um I like I said I I had background in uh, medical professions just from my mom basically explaining to my brother and I kind of 
how that process worked and what was kind of involved in, in each kind of facet of, of a medical profession. So I shadowed my local veterinarian, which is, it seems like all vet students, typically that's how they, how they get involved in vet med. They shadow their local vet. They just kind of fall in love with the whole process. And it's honestly not even like the medicine that really got me. It was kind of like the art and the relationships that you form throughout that and the bonds that you form with your clients. Um, Cause even you're, you're not really taking care of them. You're taking care of them, but you're also taking care of like their child, which is not exactly their child, but that's what they would like it to be. And so once I, once I finish uh, my shadowing of my local vet, um, I sat down and talked to my parents about kind of what, what the pros and cons of, of each profession would be either going for a doctorate in human medicine versus a doctorate in veterinary medicine. And ultimately I've always been the type of person that wanted to push myself both in my personal life and in my academic life. So, you know, we always say in, in vet med that, you know, we can't really communicate with our patients um, and with all the species that we have to be uh, knowledgeable of, um, that was kind of the the push for me to you know want to do that just because I knew that it was going to take a lot of effort for me to be able to you know formulate diagnoses and and kind of figure out the whole picture without you know pieces from the actual client because um, they you know aren't able to know everything about their pet and they can't communicate with their pet um, as well as just knowing all these details about you know different species I thought that that was that was something that I could push myself to, to be good at later in life. So that's why I decided to end up doing that. Uh, whenever I was interviewing this week, one of the questions that I was asked is, what's your favorite part of vet med or veterinary medicine? And the first thing that came out of my, my, my mouth without even thinking about it was working with people. And, and then later I explained that it was pretty much solidifying the animal with the human bond that they have. And if I'm helping, I want to help the human by helping their pets. If I make their pets feel better, I want to help them feel better. And I really think that the relationship that you can create, I think it's just unique, honestly, to be admit. I know that you can create other relationships in other areas of medicine. I just think that, I don't know, we have a really unique area where we can actually talk about different things like behavior, dermatology, all kinds of things, and they still create that relationship. Anyways, I, I like that. And maybe that's why we identify with each other. I think I feel this honestly the same because when I have worked at small animal clinics, you know, if you go to your, your doctor and, you know, you talk to them about what ailment's going on at that time, you know, I don't think you form such a personal relationship with your doctor. And I, I'm sure that there are instances where people end up doing, but I don't think it's as, as common as, you know, your veterinarian, your local veterinarian, someone you trust, and, you know, you're taking care of their, you know, their baby. And the way that I've seen vets and clients communicate and just get to know each other over the years is completely different. I feel like from your like human doctor with you, it, it just seems like such a, a different, I don't know, personal to professional relationship. And that I also agree that that's something that that I really admire about that man. Austin, I want to turn it up and get the questions a little bit harder for you. 
So the next question is, what for you to reach vet school? Uh, I know a lot of us maybe spend lots of volunteering time. Uh, we took, or some people took advanced classes. Uh, or maybe you can just be honest with us and say, hey, I'm extremely smart and it came easy to me. So you can be as frank as you want to, or you can um, hide some of the truth there. I wish it was just as easy as, as being incredibly smart. I, I am smart, I will give myself credit, but if I had a photographic memory, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but that was not the case for me. Um, you know, first I had to just have a, a really positive determination and sense of myself um, to understand that I could reach the goal of, of getting a degree in veterinary medicine. You know, everyone always tells you that it's incredibly daunting. It's, you know, a lot of studying, a lot of years of school, you know, there's burnout, but, you know, I had the, the positivity uh, from, you know, inside myself as well as um, great support from other people. Um, so I had to have that first as a foundation. Um, and then as far as my experiences, um, I was able to have to, I was able to be fortunate to have a lot of experiences um, with a breadth of knowledge that I don't think a lot of people are able to, to be involved in. So I had a, obviously a lot of small animal um, experience just because I want to be involved in that um, after graduation. That's what I want to do. Um, but also I, you know, worked at an ecological center um, working on um, both large animals and also agriculture, which is an, a different experience that, you know, I don't think some vet med students that are, you know, interviewing get that experience just kind of interesting. I know that there's other people that have other majors in different things, but kind of like an ag to food animal relationship was something that I admired with, with that um, summer internship that I did for two summers. Um, and then I also studied abroad. Um, I did a, um, a study abroad in New Zealand for two and a half weeks um, studying um, the human animal bond and how humans interact with animals um, basically across the globe. Um, and how we compare that to how we interact with animals here in the in the United States. So I think all of those experiences tied together with just having a foundation of of positive energy and determination is really what led to to where I am today. See, that's one another reason why I like to do this podcast is because even though I sometimes I know the person and I feel like I know them well, but you also continue learning more about them. And I didn't know a lot of the things that you mentioned. So I thought that was really cool. I didn't know that you visit all these Kiwis and you did research with them. So that's cool. <laughs> um, can I ask you what organizations were you involved or are you involved in vet school? And I said where, mainly because in fourth year, it's kind of hard to continue being involved with those organizations. Um, but were you involved with any organizations? Yeah, so in vet school, I... I am a member of SAVMA, um, but I, I, I'm still a member of SAVMA, but I didn't do really anything with it. I'm just part of the organization. I'm not on a, a leadership board or anything like that, um, but I was a, in leadership positions, um, two of them um, in vet school. So the first one, I was a the, uh, member of student council um, and then eventually became the president of student council uh, my third year of veterinary school. So not only did we have an important um, judiciary responsibilities that dealt with upholding the honor code for the university, um, but we also tried to focus on shortening the bridge of, of interactions and communications between faculty and students. Um, that's still something that uh, the student council members are, are continuing as we have gone into fourth year and are not as involved. 
Um, and then the other one, I was um, the chair of the Veterinary Explorers Program through um, the OTS fraternity and one of the veterinary fraternities um, for the university. Um, and that program was uh, designed to facilitate um, veterinary knowledge in multiple avenues uh, to high school students who were either unsure of their future college path um, and wanted to know about um, more about the vet med program or students who are already interested in vet med but want to uh, understand different forms of veterinary medicine that they may have never considered or even known about. Um, so those were facilitated through faculty lectures that were held once monthly um, on different aspects of veterinary medicine. Um, so I even, you know, learned about different aspects of veterinary medicine that I didn't even know. And I was the one that was in vet school. So I thought that was pretty cool to be able to give that opportunity to high school students that may not really know their path at that point, or maybe they do, but they don't get to experience that knowledge of, of knowing all the, the possibilities that are out there for them with a veterinary medicine degree. So each leadership position allowed me to gain different professional and personal skills that hopefully I'll utilize after graduation. No, I think that's really cool because on the position that I had before starting vet school, I had really, really smart students at Ohio State and many of them, or not many of them, but there was a, a subset of them that they were not sure what they wanted to do after college. Um, or what they wanted to measure on. And I think that uh, uh, my program kind of helped them with that. But more than anything, I think that if you continue exposing people to more and more things, then they get a, the idea of like, okay, I don't need to be just a lawyer because my dad is a lawyer. I don't need to be a teacher because that's the most exposure that I had to other professional careers, you know? I think that's kind of cool. Um, Lastly, on, in terms of veterinary medicine right now, um, what do you want to do after vet school, Austin? I would like to be a doctor. That's the plan. Uh, <laughs> I want to I go into small animal practice, um, primarily in Columbus. That's where I will most likely end up staying just because I've lived here for my whole life and I have family here. Um, so that's where I'd like to, to start out with, um, to kind of develop myself more professionally and formulate an exact long-term plan for myself. Um, once I determine that long-term plan, maybe that will be you know, somewhere else. Um, but for right now, I'd like to stay in Columbus. I've always thought about going to a city like Chicago. I've always been a city buff type person that just thrives in you know, the hustle and bustle of the city. So I've thought about Chicago, um, but most likely I'll stay in Columbus. I know that there's a lot of jobs um, out there right now for veterinarians basically anywhere in the country. So. Um, I should be able to find a job here and hopefully stay here. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers for that um, because I want to stay here in Columbus too. I think it's a pretty amazing city. I honestly didn't think that moving here, I guess moving here, I didn't really know what Ohio had or Columbus had to offer. Um, I only came here because they hired me to work at Ohio State and I knew the reputation that he had, but I didn't really know much about the city. And the more that I have explored it, the more I fall in love with it, with the sports that they have. Uh, you have you have MLS, you have uh, the Blue Jackets, which they play hockey. You have Ohio State, good football team most of the time. Uh, <laughs> and if you wanted to go somewhere else, you're much professional NFL 
football, you can go to Cincinnati, Cleveland, you can go watch some baseball. We have a baseball team here in Columbus as well too, um, but it's minor league, right? Um, but regardless, it's fun. You have a bunch of museums, outdoor stuff that you can do. I don't know, I really like it. And I didn't think that I was gonna like it this much, but I do. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's that a lot of people don't have that. They have that same feeling when they come to Columbus. They don't expect to, you know, see such a diverse city when they come. They kind of just expect it to be like any other Midwest city. But there really is a breadth of, you know, activities and, and different things that people, you know, can get involved in from, you know, like you said, from sports to, to art to culture to really anything. I think that there's there's a facet of of society here for really anyone. So that's why I like it so much and why I kind of want to stay as well. Excellent. Since oh, um, we're talking about sports, I'm just going to mention that that was one of the reasons why we started talking about having this podcast between you and I, mainly because one, you're an avid lover of sports. And on that conversation, we also talked about sexual identity. And I'm going to start with another question about sports. Um, and I know you're an avid lover of sports. And I just wanted to ask you what contributed to your love of sports? Uh, yeah, you could say that I'm pretty obsessed with sports. If, if you know me or if anyone knows me, you know that if I'm not, you know, if I have free time that it's and I'm doing something, I'm probably doing something sports related. Um, really, ever ever since I can remember, I've been been involved in some some capacity of sports. My family has always been that typical like sports family. Uh, we utilized sports when I was younger as a way to spend time together, um, bond and connect as a family. Um, my dad played soccer and tennis um, in high school, um, so with that background, I also played soccer and tennis. Um, my brother did not; he wanted to play other sports besides soccer and tennis, um, but just having that family foundation of sports just kind of brought it out of me for a young, like at a young age. And now I just continue that and I am just obsessed. Yeah, he's really obsessed. If you guys are seeing him right now, he's wearing a hat, Columbus Crew hat. He's wearing, or he was drinking from a Columbus Crew um, cup as well. Uh, but um, to be honest with you, I growing up, yes, my family watched the World Cup uh, every every four years. Is that what? Yeah, every four years we watched the World Cup, and I mean, I don't know if you watched this show Ted Lasso. Uh, football is life, right? There's this uh, actor that Mexican actor that continues saying football is life. Football is life. Uh, and to be honest, I think that for many Hispanics, I think football is life. And I think that my family was, had just the notion of watching it every four years. And once in a while, we would watch like one of the Mexican League soccer games. But I, I was not a super fan. In the other hand, my youngest brother, uh, he was or he's still crazy about soccer. Like I would see him watching uh, a game that we watched that morning and I was like why are you watching it again he was like oh you can see better details whenever you watch it the second time and I was like Ernesto get out of here let's go outside for something let's do something and he really good soccer player 
loves to exercise. And one time in high school, this guy, he, he, I, I, he didn't have a single drop of fat in his body. Uh, abs were super prominent and everything. And I think, I guess I really didn't spend a lot of time without shirt with him. But one time he took his shirt off and I see like all these muscles, right? And I was like, man, if I looked like that, I would have, I would walk through the city without my shirt all the time. And one of the things that he told me is like, oh, I don't do it because I like the way I look. He was like, I, I don't even like all these things that it looks like this mark. I just do it because it makes me feel healthy. And I was just really surprised. Uh, I feel like a lot of people exercise one, yeah, because of their health, but also because they want to look good. And for him, that was not about looking good. It was about feeling healthy and he loves sports. And that was one thing that he loved doing, playing. Anyways, I got off track, but let me go back to what we were talking about. Um, oh, one more thing, even though I didn't like uh, uh, sports that much or I wasn't that super fun about it, I think I became more of a fun once I started doing my master's in Wisconsin and maybe in my undergrad at Kansas State, I really liked basketball and I like college basketball. Uh, and lately, I think, or not lately, within the last, what, four years, five years, my wife, she's obsessed with the sports. If there was on TV, like a marble competition, she would watch it just because she's obsessed. And you are nodding because you're probably like that. Uh, and so I have gained more respect and love for different sports, including football, um, American football. I hope you have enjoyed our chat with Austin Carbler. We will continue with part two shortly.